over. Smith comes out to the neutral zone. Deals right. Marchessault fires. He scores! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Smith to Marchessault. 4-2 Golden Knights. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Wallace out on the homestead, Millard out at the estate in Chapman inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... That had to be a first place woo, maximizing the cushion between first and second place for the Vegas Golden Knights. Big win last night, huge two points, and now it's a six-point difference between top spot, Vegas, and second spot, Colorado. Colorado is much closer, ladies and gentlemen, to fending off third place Minnesota than they are to your Golden Knights. So a lot went right uh, for Vegas last night. Was it a perfect game? No. Uh, uh, You know what they say in golf? Tempo is everything. Perfection's unattainable. That was kind of what it was uh, last night. There was some good tempo at times, but uh, Colorado played a pretty darn good hockey game during certain stretches. But Vegas was able to come through thanks to some huge performances from the star players. And uh, being in the building, it was a pretty cool atmosphere last night, Ryan. Yeah, the atmosphere in the building was fantastic, especially when you get a goal just 10 seconds in from William Carlson. I, I honestly thought that that was going to be one of those situations where one turns into two, turns into three, turns into four. It wow. wasn't really the case for the Golden Knights, but but that's the feeling that I got in terms of, of that building, how electric it was early on in that game. I normally bug you guys for being... Uh, pessimist, half empty. And I have to admit tonight, because it's only fair that uh, that we're totally honest with each other, uh, you owe me $2, uh, that uh, when that puck went in off the stick of William Carlson, I said, that's not good to myself. I said, that's not good. Because <laughs> it was good. I, I just had this belief that it was going to take time coming off uh, playing just one game in six days and three days between games. It was going to take a while for the Golden Knights to find their their game. And it, it sounds silly that a goal 10 seconds in to set a franchise record for fastest goal to, to, to start a game uh, would be a bad thing, but sometimes it can just give you an idea that it's, it's going to be too easy. Now, I don't think that they believed that it was going to be too easy, but you, you certainly saw how difficult that first and the second periods were for the Golden Knights as they worked themselves into the game. Now, an advantage is an advantage, and it ended up being huge because it, it forced Colorado to chase the game uh, right off the bat. But, uh, yeah, I, was, I, I actually thought to myself, maybe 0-0 wouldn't have been a bad thing just to make sure that you keep everybody going in the same direction. You know, for me, in terms of the first period, it was uh, three power play opportunities for the Golden Knights where they were not able to cash in. They were not able to convert and add to uh, their lead. And and that, to me, was really the the point in the first period where I said, okay, this is probably not going in the direction I thought it was going to when William Carlson scored 10 seconds in. But, 
you know, I, I'm kind of of the mindset that any any time you get the opportunity to make Colorado chase the game, you're going to take that. And uh, and that goal ten seconds in certainly put Colorado in in the uh, in the passenger seat, and and they were the team that was chasing the majority of the night. Though they did draw even, they did push a lot heavily in that second period. And then the Golden Knights just kind of opportunistic all night. They were. Uh, they were the team uh, that uh, that they're usually facing, that they put teams in that position. Uh, think about the bubble when teams just were able to hang around and Vegas hung around for a little bit and then jumped on their opportunities. There were some, uh, some brilliant plays last night. Uh, Nathan McKinnon made some wonderful efforts. Uh, I thought uh, Gerard made a couple of great plays, uh, a couple of plays that went against him too. Uh, I thought uh, Shea Theodore uh, looked uh, really composed uh, last night. And that top line uh, with Pacioretty, with Stevenson, who again, doesn't get as much out of a game like that as Mm-hmm. You think when when Stone and Pacioretty are involved so prominently in the actual goal scoring, and and Mark Stone scoring from below the goal line, uh, what impressed? What were you more impressed with the goal that that Mark Stone scored from behind the net, or the pass on the two on one? You know, it's it's tough because uh, the goal from behind the goal line; those are the types of plays that I absolutely love. Like it, it's full chaos, right? Like you're not supposed to be able to score from behind the goal. Like that's not something that should ever happen in an NHL game. And and so I'm always going to lean heavily toward those types of goals, those types of plays where you've just got an offensive player that's incredibly creative that looks at an opening and says, you know what? I'm going to bank this off the goalie. It's going to go in, and it is going to be demoralizing. But at the same time, I don't think there was a play in the game that was more demoralizing than Mark Stone sliding that puck over to Max Pacioretty 55 seconds into the third period to regain a two-goal lead. And honestly, I don't think Devin Dubnik could have played it any worse. So uh, it's a a toss-up. It's a tough one for me, but I'll go with the Mark Stone pass on the two-on-one because that really was the play that sealed the deal in the game. I heard a lot of criticism about Dubnik's game last night. Mm -hmm. The the first goal, like, just... That that's fast and and a, uh, a streaking play, and he's probably sh- just more surprised than anything. That's going to happen. The Pacioretty goal was a fluke. It somehow it got through everybody, and and it I think it did tip uh, up high. Uh, the stone play from behind the net that is just great presence and imagination and reaction by Mark Stone. Uh, closer to being a great play than fluke. Mm-hmm. The the last the two on one goal though. Like it, it, it was bad, and and that probably looked like the nicest goal of them all, and that was the one where he should have had uh, a lot more positioning on and better positioning. It was like he was in the in the vom, uh, and came from way over there, and then realized that there was a rush coming and slid way across. Um, I have a question for you though, and and I I kind of agree with you on the two on one like that that was that was the backbreaker. Uh, yeah. for, for the Golden Knights. And, and beyond that, it was just control and manage the game. Mark Stone, when he scores from behind the net, mm-hmm. he got two cracks at it. Should and do those two attempts, do those actually count as shots on goal? I, I mean, I would, as, I would assume they do not. Right, like at least the the first opportunity because it didn't have a chance to go in, but the second but one. But he was does, trying to I, bank it in. I 
I don't think they should count as shots on goal. It, like it, it shouldn't happen. It shouldn't. Those <laughs> yeah. goals shouldn't go in. I asked Shane Knighty that today. Uh, yeah. We ended up doing something, and 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 he looked at me with a uh, eyebrow raised, like, why the? What would make you think of that? And <laughs> and then he went, well, it should count as a shot, but it's not really a shot on goal. Uh, and his rationale was, he's trying to score, so it should count as a shot. But in the traditional thinking, but sure. you're below the goal line and you're not actually shooting on the net. So that counters the other. And uh, I'm going to have to talk to somebody in, in, in hockey operations just just from a, a pure like wanting to know. There's no like real benefit to me in, in any yeah. regard. But I, I, I honestly don't know when when he takes those two shots, which are attempts to score. Uh, and he does score on the second one. Should those count as shots on goal? I I think yes, but it's not really a shot on goal. Yeah, I I'm gonna go with no. I I just I don't think like obviously if the puck goes in, then then I guess you can you can make the argument there. But like I I don't view them as shots on goal. I just view them as as plays that happen. And if it ends up going in the back of the net, then okay, fine. But it's not a, a true. Shot on goal is in, it a in shot the purest sense? I I don't even I mean I yeah, I would imagine it it has to be right, but but again like I I don't know it, it's it's hard to really sit here and say that that's one hundred percent a shot on goal or one hundred percent not a shot on goal. I just don't think that you can count a shot that that you're you're relying on essentially pinball yes. to 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 bank that puck in and, and have that be a goal. It, it it has no business being a shot on goal. It has no business going in in general. Well, and it does though because players do try that. Uh, I think Jonathan Marchessault took a shot from behind the goal line and uh-huh. banked it in off uh, Billy Husso's head uh, in that uh, breakout game against St. Louis, which actually got St. Louis going in the right direction. Uh, but that was uh, that was a shot attempt. Like he was trying to score there. He shot from behind that, banked it in off off the goalie's head that was more of a traditional attempt like it wasn't two feet behind the goal line but sure. you, you do see guys try and score from there and i i don't know i've never thought of it in in that regard but i'm trying to find out stones so here's stones line from last night and he had three shots on goal and two missed or or, or uh, two missed shots so if two are missed that means the other one was the other two were 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 counted as shots on goal because technically he hit Dubnik's pad on the first one and then the second one he hit his body. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm gonna have to go through the entire. I know, um, I know the the entire play by play, the entire um, segment by segment uh, recap of the game to what figure the out what think? those. I I'll I'll put it out there. I'll yeah. put it out there. Yeah. Chapman, Chapman, Chapman you're, uh, you you look at this from from unique angles. You look at life from unique angles. Yes. Let's bring you in. Should should those attempts by Mark Stone count as shots on goal? Because shots, like that's a legitimate stat. Pacioretty like l- leads the league in shots. We talk about uh, all these uh, shot attempts, and and I'm 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 guilty of it all the time. Not guilty, but it's one of my favorite go tos uh, during a broadcast is checking out uh, who's been around the net. Uh, 
do, should should those two attempts last night, one of which Mark Stone scored on from behind the goal line, actually count as shots? Well, I don't know how you can't count a goal as a shot. It's so, happened. I mean, it's it's weird, right? Like like the dynamics of it are just weird. Like a lot has to happen for a goal to not count as a shot. Ah, uh... if you pass across on a two on one, and you're it's a it's a obvious pass yes and it goes off the defenseman's skate <laughs> into the in. net yeah i wonder if you get credit for a shot in that regard oh man yeah i mean the 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 the, the rules and the laws are pretty specific about shots right yeah. so that you can get a plus uh sorry you can uh get an assist this just happened a couple of weeks ago uh somebody got a, an assist without getting a plus because they changed uh, before the puck went in, and whoever came on actually got got the plus. Uh, so, like, there's weird little happenings during a game that that you go, "How does that happen?" But but it was it was true. I think that's what makes our game great, right? Like mm-hmm. like we see things sometimes that it's why I love baseball too. Like you see uh, things. Baseball's fascinating. For yeah, you stuff. you see a lot of things sometimes that you've never seen before, and you think a game that's been around a hundred years. You're like, wow, we're at a new things to see, but it never seems to end. And I think that's one of those cases where you just chalk it up and you're like, you know what? Whatever you want to call it, you call it. The What matters to me is it, it went in the net and Mark Stone got a goal. And I think, you know, we'll, we'll leave the, the debate to, to, to the people who, who, I guess, are smarter than us or at least smarter than me. But like I said, <laughs> the, 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 the important <laughs> thing is to me, it went in, it was a goal, it was a game-winning goal, and that's really all that matters at the end of the day. I'll rephrase it this way. Uh-oh. What do you... Th- no, 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 it's nothing bad. <laughs> <laughs> this time. Not yet. To the two of you, what mm-hmm. was uh, more of an attempt to score? Pacioretty's first goal or Stone's goal from behind the net? Oh, oh man. that's that's an obvious one. I think Stone. The, the more right, the more blatant attempt to score was Mark Stone behind the net, right. for sure. Yeah, yeah. And yet, one's a traditional shot, so to speak, in air quotes, rabbit ears, <laughs> and the other one's from behind the the goal line. And, I lo- I love this debate. It's so funny. Yeah. It's it's fascinating. I, I like it's it's weird because I don't feel like there's a right answer. Like I, I think you can make the argument right that it's it's not a shot on goal, right? Mm-hmm. And because if if left to its own devices, like that, that's not that's a shot that that needs a lot of help to to actually hit the net, right? But yeah. then you you look at it and you say, well, it's clearly an attempt to score. It's clearly a play that is designed and, and a play that is executed by Mark Stone because he sees an opening and he sees a path for this puck to enter the net. So, like, I understand both arguments. I'm kind of in Chapman's boat. Like, I, I don't care if it is or isn't a shot on goal. It's a goal, and, and that's really all that matters. But uh, it's fascinating to kind of think about this one in, in that in that I don't think there's really a right answer here. Yeah, it, it's it's funny that you mentioned the, the other play where a guy maybe attempts to pass it and it deflects it off of a skate because I believe not, that that happened not in... Not maybe, not maybe. It was it, it was a pass. Yeah, so it happened in the Silver Knights game a couple nights ago. I can't remember who they're playing. I think maybe San Diego. And a defenseman for the Silver Knights attempted to put the puck through the crease, which which is obviously flirting with disaster anyway, and it deflected in off of the skate of, I, I believe it was a San Diego player, and it ended up being a goal. 
But, yeah, I mean, sometimes strange things happen like that. I mean, clearly the, the player who scored that goal was not attempting to, to shoot, but, I mean, he scored the goal, and, and that's really all that matters. Weird, eh? Oh, because, I, I love it, though. The, the, <laughs> if it doesn't go in, like if Mark Stone's attempt doesn't go in, I don't think there's even a, a chance. There's a, maybe a 2% chance that he gets credit for a shot because you just wouldn't think of it that way. But once he tries it once and then follows it up with a second effort and it, that one goes in, he should get two shots on goal for that because you see point blankly, very obviously, that he was attempting to score on that play. He could score in different ways, can't he? Like the breakaways, the 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 uh, shots, the wraparounds and the power plays uh, yeah. from behind the net. Like he's showing some serious range right now with uh, with his finishing touch. You know, it it's it's interesting, just kind of Mark Stone in and around the net, and and just how he's been able to to really just take his game to another level. How he's able simply to to find those areas, find those avenues, find those pockets, and you know, I, I've I've loved watching him just kind of in and around the blue paint, and and I've loved it for uh, the sole reason that when the Golden Knights get to the playoffs, that's where they're going to need to find their offense in and around the net plays like that where you are desperately looking for avenues and different ways to score. That's what I like to see out of Mark Stone right now. You get some good reaction on your Twitter polls. I give you I, I credit mean, for that. Sometimes. Let's see here. What do we You've get? already got 50 votes. Well, that's pretty darn you know, that's, good interaction. It's 71% yes, 29% no right now. So we'll, we'll keep, it, we'll keep uh, tabs on this throughout the entire show. And it's, and it's, there's no me. right answer here or wrong answer, I guess I should say. There's no wrong yeah. answer here. The puck went in. Everybody's happy, and uh, and we tip our cap to to Mark Stone. I'm just wondering, should it count as a shot on goal? <laughs> Hold on. So so if a player shoots the puck with the intention of scoring, so so that's that's a plus for for that shot. And if that shot would have gone in the net had the goaltender not stopped it the shot is recorded as a shot on goal. But what if the only way for that shot to go in is for the goaltender to for it to hit the goaltender? Like what what verbiage right. do you put out there now? I don't know. That's what I think about when I drive around the city. These types of questions. Oh man. To be a to be a passenger in your brain, man. It it's it's not I'm pretty. Passenger. <laughs> it's 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 not pretty. And that, that is an original thought of mine, and you just get an idea of, of what a day, what an hour it is like as I'm filling up my, my fountain drink, uh, going, going for lunch. I wonder if that should count as a shot on goal. Uh, heck, heck of an effort, though, to, to grind out a win when they – and this is, this is the first time they've led the series against the uh, Colorado Avalanche since game number one of that four-game set going into the Tahoe game. They won the opener. Yeah. Then they lost the next two. Uh, they trailed uh, 2-1 and 3-2 in the season series. And if you look at it as a best of seven, it was 3-3, and, and Vegas managed to win. Now, they're going to play one more time, and it's going to be a really important game. And we're going to get into why that, that eighth game uh, in a couple of weeks is going to be so important uh, when it comes to uh, tiebreaker, and we'll run through some of that in a little bit. 
But the confidence that the team gets, and I realize Colorado had some players out. Uh, Vegas had some players out. You can certainly make the case that Grubauer is more important than the, the players and Brandon Sod and, and Byram and, and uh, go down the list. Uh, There's a lot of guys uh, out for, for Colorado. But they found a way to win that hockey game. And mm-hmm. yeah. it showed another bit of resolve. I talked to somebody from, from Colorado, to, from Denver today, and mm-hmm. said, "What's the what? What are Colorado thinking about changing in the final eight games? What do they want to improve on for the final nine games of their season?" And their reply was, "Resolve, finding ways to win. Uh, they can't win games when they're trailing in the third period, and that's something that Vegas has been able to do. And last night they were able to put the game away in the third period." Yeah, I, I thought the third period for the Golden Knights was was their best period of the game, and and I think that kind of stands to reason as as a team that's coming off of uh, th- of three days without a game and coming off of uh, two days off, you know, two days away from the rink, and then a practice, and then a morning skate, and then a game. I, I thought that they were they would get better as the game wore on, and and, and certainly when you go to the third period with a 3-2 lead and, and you take control of that opening minute the way that the Golden Knights did, Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, how good they've been for this team all season long, uh, it, it's one of those moments where you can kind of just see the Golden Knights and, and how they've been able to be this consistent all season long. When there are key moments in games, more often than not, the Golden Knights' best players make really good plays. And I think one of the things we talked about over the course of of last season and, and over the course of the bubble was that there were moments in games where the Golden Knights needed plays and they didn't get them. And and you 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 couldn't find offense. It 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 just that's kind of how the season came to an end. Right now, the Golden Knights are going out there, and their best players are making key plays at key times, and that's a good thing going into the final stretch of the season. And it's something that they've been doing all season long here. Really uh, impressive. Uh, I thought uh, I thought they had the the top three lines going at times. Uh, Dylan Sakura, I did not have his strongest game since he's been up. Yeah, he was good. He was good. Yeah. Very noticeable. Very noticeable. I thought the second line uh, had some had some great looks. Uh, I also thought they had to withstand some some challenges. Uh, boy, Colorado shows you their strength when not and not as much in transition last night, but in mm-hmm. zone pressure and being able to move the puck around. And there had to be some uh, significant resiliency on the Golden Knights to to be able to absorb that pressure. 100%. And, you know, there were a couple of shifts there where, where Nathan McKinnon just kind of took over the game, took over uh, those those periods of time where the Colorado Avalanche needed a spark. And, you know, they're, they're a team that isn't, isn't so much one-dimensional. Like, I think we all look at the Colorado Avalanche. We look at how mobile their defense is and how well they skate, and we think that they're a team that can only look for offense, generate offense on the rush, but they're a lot more than that. And it's it takes a lot, and it takes consistent 60-minute efforts to keep Nathan McKinnon in check. And by and large... The Knights have done a good job on McKinnon and neutralizing him as best they can over the course of these seven games so far this season. Yeah, and uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, he had a couple of saves last night, but the Mm -hmm. biggest and most impressive stop when I looked at it was that behind-the-back 
grab slash knockout uh, yeah. of, of the crease. I don't know how he thinks to do that, just like Stone from behind the net. Uh, he should almost get two saves on that, and uh, there I go again, <laughs> creating uh, different dilemmas. But but he had that puck roll up and over him and had the wherewithal, the instincts, to sweep his arm around his back, and that is just something that only a few guys would think to do. It's happened before, and he just uh, he is one of them, and that was a brilliant stop. 100%. And it was one of those situations where, you know, Mark Andre makes that initial save and he realizes that the puck kind of gets away from him a bit and and it's all reflexes, it's all reaction and it's it's the type of play where it, he gets it exactly right. And the Golden Knights had some plays last night where where they they came up with the right play and it it was it was kind of a big difference in the game. You you have to be consistent. You've got to be good to be lucky. The Golden Knights used a couple of those last night against Colorado. Be in the right spot at the right time, and Max Pacioretty was as well. We'll get more into the uh, the VGK win over the Colorado Avalanche and what it's going to take to lock down the number one seed in the West. Vegas has eight games left. Colorado nine. There's a six-point difference. You can spend the next half hour or so figuring it out yourself, or you can just stay with us, and we'll tell you all about it, and we'll do it for free. Up next, Mike Rupp from the NHL Network. He has a Stanley Cup-winning goal off his stick. He will join us to discuss some happenings in and around the National Hockey League. We also have one-timers uh, later in the show, a, uh, a an announcement of a career coming to an end uh, of a significant fashion uh, for you on that end of it. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Get right to it. Mike Rupp from the NHL Network joins us on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Uh, Darren Millard, Ryan Wallace uh, out at our respective residences, and it's Chris Chapman at Fox Sports uh, Studio. Uh, so, uh, Rupper, I, I want to know, which division leader right now? Vegas, Toronto, Washington, and Carolina would you least like to face in the first round of the playoffs? <laughs> well, I mean, that it's a tough one. I, 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 I have to say Vegas. I mean, really? I, I, I just think the structure of the Vegas Golden Knights, the way that they can win in, in multiple ways, the goaltending that they have with, with two goaltenders that are, that are great goaltenders. I mean, I would want to see them. I wouldn't want to see them in the first round. Yeah, they've won 10 in a row. They're, they're grooving right now. Uh, Toronto seems to get a lot of love uh, from people. Washington, I think, is kind of over, not overachieved, but uh, uh, have have done something that uh, we thought maybe their window was closing, and Carolina's just had a Cinderella season. Um, we like it that you that you uh, go that way. Uh, when you when you look at uh, at the Central Division, though, with Carolina and Tampa Bay and Florida, who's the best team? Oh man! Uh, right now, the best team is Carolina. What I think is, is, in my opinion, is Carolina. But I said the key word right now because right. there's no um, Kucherov, there's no Stamkos in the lineup for for Tampa. And what does that look like when they are back in? Right. So if they're healthy and they're back in, I mean, 
I would say this year, coming into this season, and maybe not all the time during this year, especially with having the injuries that the Tampa's had at times, uh, I don't feel like they've been the best team all year, but there's there's three teams that have been the the top of the class for me, and that's that's Colorado, that's Vegas, and that's Tampa. And so I would say as of today, not having a complete roster in place, I would say the Carolina Hurricanes are the most complete team in the Central. But if you get those two guys back, I mean, that, that team, for what they've gone through, it, there's not many times where you can sit there and say and go into a matchup and, and say to yourself, we've got the best defenseman in the series, which they probably have against anybody in Victor Hedman. We've got the best goaltender in this series in, in Vasilevsky. And when those guys, when Kucherov and, and Stamkos are in there, you can say, hey, we've got, uh, with the, those two in Braden Point, we've got the, the better offense. So if they're healthy, it would be Tampa. But today, it would be Carolina for me. And John Cooper looks goes with those three. I'm the best coach. Uh, that's yeah, what exactly. he says, too. Uh, <laughs> Ryan Wallace and Darren Millard with Mike Rupp on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. You know, Mike, staying with the Central Division, uh, there's one spot open now for the playoffs. Dallas and Nashville looks like they're going to battle it out to the end. Which of those two teams do you think wins out? Which which team is that fourth team in the Central Division? I, I think he, I think the Dallas Stars find their way in, and I don't know. Maybe I, maybe it's I. I'd like to see. I'd like to have all the teams in right where. And this is. She's not a knock at all for the National Predators. What they've been doing has been spectacular. Um, UC Soros has been awesome this year. I mean, what he it, it, it's great to see what they're doing there. I just I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I feel like if that team gets in, it'll be a great story. But that National Predators team's not going to upset whomever they play in the first round. Now, if the Dallas Stars get in, I think that's a team. We talk about teams you don't want to play in the playoffs. I wouldn't want to play that team, especially if they get Tyler Sagan back and they start feeling good about their game and, and rolling in the right direction. So. Um, the, they got a big, big game here tonight against against Tampa. That uh, they've got to win. They, they've got to start uh, the game. They, they got those games in hand, and I think it could play into their favor. But I, I don't know. I just have they got something special going on there as well. And I don't know if Nashville. It's hard to say. The Nashville peaked really. They, there's no such thing. They need they needed to win almost every game. Uh, they did what they did to get them to this point. I just don't. How much more do they have left? I don't know. We'll have to see. But I think Dallas has a big push in these last number of games. Yeah, Dallas finishes on the road now, uh, so that's going to be the challenge for them. Uh, and UC Saros, I love that you brought his name up. He might be the best goaltender in that division right now. Not, not sorry, having the best season uh, yeah. in, in that division. Uh, I do want to give uh, give way to Andre Vasilevsky. Saros has been under the radar, spectacular. He, he has been. I mean, this team—they've been playing hard. They've they've been playing with a different attitude. Um, they've been playing with more of a purpose. They've been playing with desperation in front of him, but they would not be where they're at without him. And what he has done has been nothing short of spectacular. And uh, that, that's what they needed, right? And, and it's funny, too, when you look at his career because Pecorini has been the guy there for so long, and he's had such a great career. And he's still a serviceable goaltender. He's, he's probably not what, what he used to be, but, um, you know, that, that's just how it goes when you get older in this league. And, but UC Saros, if you remember, a couple of years ago, he kind of looked, all right, well, this is the next guy, right? This is the guy Pecorini is going to pass the torch to. to. And, then, and then he kind of just, I don't know, it just looked okay. Maybe that was coinciding with the team kind of playing average hockey. 
and then this is kind of that last push year where you're like, wow, I mean, what do, what do we have here? And they they obviously drafted a um, Askarov in the in the first round this last year, so you got a the future guy right there. But they might be looking at it saying, hey, we got a nice situation here because you see Saros what he's doing now. I mean, you're right, he's got to be up for the Vesna. I, I don't know, is there enough of a of games played? Is there enough of a track record this year for him? I, I think there is. What he's doing has been awesome, and you're, you're bang on. I'm I'm going to say the same thing I said last year. I know Connor Hellebuck won the Vesna last year, but the best goalie in the world is still Andre Vasilevsky. But Connor yeah. Hellebuck had the best season last year. And you can argue the same thing with UC Sowers. He might be having the best season, especially in that division. That's a, that's a great uh, way to put it. Uh, Mike Ruff's chatting with us on the VGK Insider Show for a couple of minutes here on the uh, on Fox Sports Las Vegas with Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. You know, Mike, uh, obviously one of the huge stories this season in hockey is Connor McDavid, 47 games played, 84 points. Can you just kind of put into context how dominant of an offensive season this has been from Connor McDavid? Yeah, we're hearing that. I, I, this is this is something that's really. <laughs> you guys want to? I might finish the rest of your pregame show here if you, if yeah. you want me to. You know, you're sitting here. This this has been um, what he's doing is spectacular, and I love it because we get to talk about it. Right, we're talking about it now, and, and it starts arguments, and and those are all good things. Like right, healthy arguments of uh, who is better. This not, this is the first guy since Mario. All right, did, that's. When you you can stop the sentence there. When someone says something like that, or it's like yeah. it gets your attention, right? First guy since Merrill. But let me just dissect that. That doesn't mean that that's better than Mario. And this is where I get, it gets me this year with Connor McDavid, even with Austin Matthews doing in the North Division. It's it's oh well, oh well, you know he's not this tall. How about make him win his cups? Make him. Let's just relax and enjoy this guy. I mean, what we're seeing we haven't seen since Mario. And and that to me gets my attention. And you see this pace he's going at. And even if you look and the, the argument is, well, that North Division so weak. The North Division is this. The North Division is that. Last year in 64 games, he had 96 points. And he did that against everybody. You know what I mean? And it's, it's not like everybody. It's not like you're having role players in this North Division this year that they're getting 25, 30 goals. I mean, this is still what he's doing is phenomenal. I love what he does. Hey, I don't know if we've seen the ceiling. What he did last year again in those 64 games with the 96 points or whatever it was, remember, that's coming off of his broken leg or his, his, his issue that he had. And he wasn't healthy. He's healthy now. And it's so fun to watch. And um, I, don't know, I don't know if I'm buying this North division. Yeah, I'll say this about the North. I don't think the top-tier teams in that division are as strong as the top-tier teams in the other divisions. But the bottom teams in that division – and the North are not as weak as the bottom teams in the other divisions. So, I mean, you got to take it with a grain of salt. The travel is something that they've got to go into every time zone. The only division that has to do that. And, um, you know, it's it's something to deal with. You guys know that out there. Travel is a real thing, especially when you – I grew up playing in the, in the Eastern Conference pretty much the entire time. And I, then I went to the West, and I'm like, holy crap, get me back to the East. <laughs> yeah, where, where am I? What 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 clock are we an hour ahead? Or are we an hour behind? Uh, exactly, uh, it's confusing. Um, here's just the uh, the the final point on McDavid: seventeen points ahead of second place, who's also on his team, who was also the MVP a year ago. Seventeen points ahead of second place in the NHL points, and he's twenty three ahead of third. Uh, to put put the mics down, walk away, give him the trophy. It's it's like 
it is Mario Gretzky like to have that kind of separation. Uh, what's what's going on with you? How are things? And uh, and what's on the plate uh, for you at the NHL Network? What's happening? Yeah, so just um, you know, just like just like you guys, uh, heating up this time of year, and uh, I'm just happy to have it have things kind of seem to be getting back to normal here, right? So just getting ready to dig in for a good long playoff run, and man, these storylines right now in the background. I got this Islanders Rangers game on, and seeing these teams fighting, trying to get in, and these rivalries, and it, it's all good. So um, you know, it's it's been a long time, guys, right? Since last yeah. year in, in March when this stuff happened, and finally looks like we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel and that excites me and i'm sure it does you guys as well i'm looking at the rangers wondering can they get in and then like if they can get in they could win it because i don't know who's the best team is in that loop uh thanks for your time i know it's uh tight for you but appreciate you squeezing us in on the vgk insider show anytime fellas thank you Mike Rupp uh, from the NHL Network joining us uh, on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, a uh, guy that uh, has been around and knows uh, a lot about how hard the game is and how fun the game is and and how much it takes to score goals. Like, scoring goals is hard. And <laughs> you're seeing the Golden Knights score five goals a game a lot of nights. That's impressive. You're, you're watching Connor McDavid in a 56-game season push yep. – the 100 point barrier this this brand that you're watching and the uh, performance of the teams is spectacular right now you know it's it's interesting because when you when you look at at Connor McDavid and you just kind of look at, at last season shortened season obviously uh, due to covid and and you start to to put into context that in 64 games Connor McDavid did not hit 100 points he was re- very very close but he didn't hit it I think he hits 100 points in this season. I think in a 56-game season, Connor McDavid's final stat line is going to read at least 100, and that is is mind-blowing to me because I, I didn't think that was something, a pace that he'd be able to keep up all season long. How many, how many games did he play last year, and how many points? 64 games, 97 points. Do you want to know why he didn't hit 100? Why? Because he didn't know that game 64 was his last game. If he would have known, because the, the league <laughs> shut down, if he would have known it was a race to get yeah. to 100 points by game yeah. 64, and I say this half tongue-in-cheek and half flat out, I believe it. Uh, Connor McDavid puts his mind to it. He does it. Mm-hmm. I watched the two games in Winnipeg the other day, and, yeah. and I watched them from start to finish. And yep. what he did in in those two games uh, going through last night was dominant. And, yes. and that's against the team that was going into that set, uh, making a run at, at, uh, at trying to challenge Toronto. Now they flipped Winnipeg's in, in third spot. He just owned the – against the Vesna Trophy winning goaltender from a year ago. It's ridiculous. And it is on – it's not Gretzky numbers – like it's, mm-hmm. but it's Gretzky yeah. separation, and it's Gretzky uh, like when it comes to talent compared to the rest of the league. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's it's hard to get to where Gretzky was. Like, there's a reason why he is he is so leaps and bounds above everybody yeah. else. But right now. That's Connor McDavid with the rest of the league. Connor McDavid is playing on another level. He is scoring at a different clip than everybody else. And and you know what? Listen, 
this is the season where Connor McDavid, I think, announced to the world, you have no idea how good and how dominant I can be. I'm going to go out there and prove to you that I can score 100 points in 56 games simply because I can. And that's what we're seeing night in and night out with McDavid. It's it's wild. I'm going to chat with uh, his head coach, Dave Tippett, tomorrow uh, for the next episode of The Chirp. And I, I, there's there's about six or seven questions that are just must-asks. And they, <laughs> they all revolve around Connor McDavid. And, and Tip's going to be sour uh, by the end of it. Like, can we talk about other guys on my team? Well, okay, maybe your goalie <laughs> a, a little bit. But it's just I, there's so much I want to know about what's happened to Connor in the last, last couple of years. And it just looks like, and I believe that. He he would have hit 100 if he knew Game 64 was going to be his last last one, uh, last year. And he's going to hit 100 uh, because he knows he's got 56 games uh, this year. When we continue, good news of the day, and then we'll get into rating last night's uh, victory by the Vegas Golden Knights over the Colorado Avalanche and one-timers involving uh, a player, a future Hall of Famer, hanging them up, and then a couple of other just strange stories that revolve around that, including... Uh, a reaction by one of this player's teammates, and you will get a kick out of the quote that came out of that locker room. Uh, Stay with us. That's coming up in hour number two of the VGK Insider Show here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. It's time for the good news of the day on the VGK Insider Show. The good news of the day is brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union, prioritizing people over profit. The Henderson Silver Knights will not get a traditional AHL postseason, but they will have a playoff to determine the Pacific Division champion after their inaugural season ends. It was announced today that the AHL has granted each division the opportunity to independently determine its own postseason format, the Pacific Division will be the league's only division to have postseason play. While the playoff format will be announced later, the tournament winner will be awarded the John D. Chick Trophy as champions of the Pacific Division. The Chick Trophy...